0: Ushers, we appreciate your ministry. Church, we thank you uh, for your generosity. We thank you for your liberality tonight in the offering. Let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12. 1 Samuel, chapter 12, we're going to be in verses 19 through 22. That's where we're going to be at this evening. Again, we thank you tonight uh, for being faithful to the midweek service. Um, It's always a blessing to be able to gather together. Um, midweek, now I have to wait till Sunday. Um, I believe God has a word for us this evening. It's First Samuel chapter twelve, verses nineteen through twenty-two. Dennis Rodman is a very uh, polarizing human being. Um, he's known for different things, um, especially his piercings and hair colors, and uh, visiting uh, random people that most people don't like. <laughs> Uh, But Dennis Rodman is actually very well known for being an athlete and for different reasons. But the main one is that his teammates appreciated or the main one that his teammates appreciated about him was the ability to rebound. He will spend countless hours learning where to stand when people shot a certain type of way. There's documentaries of Dennis Rodman saying... Um, I studied how Michael Jordan would shoot and the way he shot, the way it would bounce off of the rim, and I just knew where to place myself to receive it. And his team appreciated the fact that he put so much devotion on giving other people a second opportunity to make a point. They appreciated that they, they will give, he made it a point to give his team a second opportunity to score. His ability to rebound gave others another chance to score and in totality gave his team another opportunity to win. In our text, we will read about a man who facilitated with his words another opportunity to serve God. This is the reason why we come to church. Not for the Baskets for the glory or for the name and lights, but for the reason being that our services provide a rebound for us. Failures are easier to overcome when you come to church and you continue to serve God. There are people here this evening, you are somebody else's Dennis Rodman. You've allowed other people to gain their victory simply because you helped them. And that is what church is all about. First Samuel chapter 12, verses 19 through 22. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your hearts, and do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, but they are empty. the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Life After Failure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you here this evening, Lord, for your grace, your mercy towards our life. God, I do not come in my abilities or my talents. I have no confidence in my flesh, but I hide behind your cross and I pray an anointing here tonight. God, upon the words that I speak, Father, use me as your vessel. God, I pray that even if there's people here tonight that have failed in different numerous areas or different ways, God, you will give them the strength, the courage, God, to get back up and continue to serve you, Lord, to seek Uh, help and refuge in you and in your house and your people. God, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said tonight, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is to forsake or not to forsake. Life is a series of decisions. Today, on your way to church, or we can take it a a few steps back, when you woke up this morning, you made decisions. Number one, you made a decision to be on time. Or, you made a decision to sleep in. You made a decision what to wear. There's all kinds of different things. You could speak about breakfast, lunch. Some of you guys already had dinner. So there's all kinds of decisions. There's heavier decisions in life. There are decisions here tonight. You chose to speak the way you spoke earlier today or even with your friends today. The things you've said, the thoughts you allow to live in your mind, the money you spent, where you spent it, the things you've watched, the things you've listened to. Life is a series of decisions. We, as the children of God, will forever struggle with our sinful nature, which tells us that we are going to make good choices and bad choices. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To think that we can avoid every snare, every trap, every temptation in our life is unrealistic. So the question that must be asked is what do we do when we do sin? See, sin, or at least human nature, plays a toll in our mind, fallen nature. In our scripture, we see the people of God in a fearful place because of their sin. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray, for your servants to the Lord your God, they're speaking to the prophet. They're speaking to this man that speaks for God to them. He says, please pray for us that we may not die for we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. So not only do they understand how they are evil as a person, but they're asking the man of God pray for us that God will not judge us because not only are we evil, but I've also sinned on top of that. And I believe this right here illustrates many times where people find themselves, even in the house of God, they find themselves knowing there are wrong, adding wrongs, and not doing anything about it. See, life is not only about avoiding sin, but what to do when you do sin. Obviously, we know the word repentance, and we know that repentance fixes everything. But I want to go a little bit deeper than that. In our text, their wickedness has caused them to have a worldly fear and believe that they can't do anything about it. Here it is, these people, they're asking the man of God, would you pray for us? Would you speak to God for us? In their mind, they're as good as dead, that we may not die. They say, Samuel, pray for us. No remorse, no repentance. They still want the king. It is not enough to ask headship to pray for you. It's not enough to ask somebody else. There are things there are times in life where you must do something about it. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 Therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The, the fact that Paul says work out says a lot. Means that we can do something in our salvation. Means that there is a responsibility that falls on us to work things out. Say with me work out. I know that felt weird to some of you guys, but it's not that kind of workout, okay? He says work out. Think about the statement that he's saying to the Philippian church. He says, "Listen, I know you've obeyed me when in my presence, but when I'm gone, you're gonna have to work this out on your own. You're gonna have to figure this stuff out. And believe me, working out doesn't just mean obey. It doesn't just mean you know what? Just just um just 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 uh, listen to instructions. But it means when you fall, because you will. When you sin, because you will." Then you're going to have to work that out. Which takes me to my second thought, which I want to spend some time here. And my second thought is something that was told to me when I was a young man. And I f- fell really bad. They said, don't blow it because you blew it. The mistake many people make is that they blow their whole life because of one mistake. Of because of a mistake or a sin, people will leave church, break relationships, isolate themselves because they made a mistake. Can I just maybe give you a revelation here tonight? Shine some light on some truth. We all make mistakes. Some of you guys, you're here tonight. You made a mistake on the way over here. I don't know what that mistake was. But we all make mistakes. So leaving the place where we can correct our mistakes is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive to what God has told us to do when we sin. In our text, there is a fear upon these people. They're talking to the man of God. They're saying, please pray for us that we may not die. So they can obviously see the consequence. They're saying, you know what? We can be judged. Our life can be over. But yet they're not doing anything about it. So what they're doing is they're pushing responsibility upon the figure that represents the presence of God, or at least the word of God in our in our Bible at that moment in time. And that is the worst thing that can happen is when you begin to push responsibilities away from yourself and just count yourself good as dead. See, this fear that these people have, that the people of God had at this moment, is a result of a wrong understanding of how to live for God. The worst thing we can do when we fail, when we sin, is to give up and wait for judgment. In our scripture, we see that Samuel corrects the way they think and the way they feel by telling them, don't fear, but fear the Lord. And that's an incredible statement. If we'll go ahead and read our text once again, 1 Samuel 12, 19 through 22, in this context now, if you can kind of find, follow the dialogue, in all, peop- all the people, say with me, all. So there's a lot of people. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord, your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. He says, don't be scared. He's not correcting doctrine. He's not saying God, look, God's not going to judge you for your sin. He's just telling them right now, what, the way you're thinking, the way you're feeling is incorrect. Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you, to make you, say with me, make you, to, to create in you, to form you, to make you a people for himself. He's fixing that fear. So you're thinking about it incorrectly, and that's the problem. Is a lot of people that what they think is that God's up there, like this Greek mythological god named Zeus, and he has this thunderbolt, this lightning bolt, and he's just waiting for you to fall. He's up there, he's got it in his grip, and he's ready to he's he's ready to let it rip as soon as you trip. He's just told you, I knew it. But that's not God. It might be the God that the Greeks think it is, but it isn't the God that we serve. So the worst thing we can do is to blow it all up, because we blew it. Says, "Don't fear." See, not coming to church or ignoring your church will not fix your problems. Indulging in sin when I fix your problems. I've had it before when people have told me, I've messed up, so I might as well just get the full thing. People will say things like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't think I will ever change. Some people might even, even try to appease the things and say, give me some time. You know, I heard somebody define hypocrisy in a very good way. To be a hypocrite... Is to fake a life you don't live or to hold someone else to a standard that you don't hold yourself to. So by that definition, which is the true definition, if you're here and you're struggling with sin, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a hypocrite. Because you're here and you're trying to get right with God. Now, if you're here, you're not not trying to get right with God, but you're telling other people to get right with God, that's a hypocrite. Being at church when you mess up is not being a hypocrite, it's being a real Christian. The essence of Christianity is not who you are today, but who you can be tomorrow, that God can change you. Again, I've had people tell me, give me some time, but many times I've seen... That, that phrase is an excuse to hold on to your sins for a moment longer. Don't say, I need to step down for a moment. You ever had a friend tell you that? just need a break from ministry. For what? <laughs> you finish your Netflix series? I mean, for I mean, what are you going to do at home? I mean, why, do you, why do you have to step away from serving people? Why do you have to step away from actually serving God? It's not going to help you. That's like that's like somebody that's trying to lose weight and they <laughs> I got I got a lot of things <laughs> in my mind. It's like somebody trying to lose weight and they pinch their finger on the weights and they said, Give me two months. <laughs> give me two months, give me a two month break from the gym. I'm sorry. Give me some time never works. Time does not deliver you from your sins. It's the blood of Jesus Is pressing closer to Jesus. It's praying in a more intimate manner. Is reading and studying in a more intimate way. It's loving people more. serving people more. Our text uses a, or Samuel, speaks to the people of God in an interesting way. And in verse 21, he says, and do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. The prophet in our text warns us of empty things. The word empty things, or at least the phrase, is things of no value, things that are not going to fix anything, things that could even, in in essence, further the problem. He says, don't turn aside from that. I mean, don't turn aside to that we understand that the wages of sin are death. And we can't expect to get better if we continue to run from the only one that can heal us. In Jeremiah three twenty-two, another prophet speaking to the people of God says, "'Return, you backslidden children, "'and I will heal your backslidings. "'Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God.'" We do ourselves a disfavor when we run away from the God who said, I won't forsake you. The one that says, you are my workmanship. We do ourselves a disfavor when we forsake and we turn our back on the God who said, I loved you even when you were a sinner. That you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Can I just remind you, your failure didn't take God by surprise. He's not up there trying to figure things out now, running in circles with Angel and Michael, you know, figuring out, well, what are we going to do now? We must fear the correct way. We must fear the Lord and do right. A true fear of God will cause us to turn back to him in repentance. I ran into a quote that says, the glory... It's not in never failing, but in rising every time you fall. We must make up our minds to serve God in season and out. In season and out doesn't necessarily mean when you're rich and when you're broke, or when you feel like it, or when you don't, or when you're fruitful and you're not. It's also through failure and success. You know, one of the hardest lessons to grasp for young pastors, young disciples that go out on the field is to learn how to manage failure. When you go out there and you pass out 5,000 flyers, you've advertised, and nobody shows up to their revival. When you go out there and and you speak to people and you have great witnesses, you pray for them, they even get saved at that moment and then they don't come to church. Failures. When you invest in something, invest money and in maybe a business idea and it didn't go through. When you do all of these different things and somewhere success is not what you get. One of the harder ones in ministry is when you work with people and those people let you down sometimes. But there's the other side of the coin too. You let people down. Can we be honest here tonight? That's what ministry is all that's, that's what ministry is, right? As a as a as a preacher behind this pulpit here, I can't cleanly say I've never let anybody down. It's just the reality of life. And what makes church beautiful, what makes serving God beautiful. It's really it's just we're a bunch of failures that have found success in Christ if we can only serve god during our victories and successes then we will be a, we will be short-lived in a shallow a shallow relationship with god that's not a relationship you know what makes marriage such a beautiful thing is that you can get over the hardships in life the difficulties in life could you imagine if you were only together when you, when you wanted to? I mean, think about married folks. Think about with your spouse. If you are just like, you know what? I don't like you. I'll be back in a week. <laughs> it's a relationship that we're committed to one another. And that is exactly what's happening in our text, is they're asking the man of God in a very transactional and logistical way. We're evil. We've messed up. Can you please ask the man upstairs to not kill us? And the prophet Samuel reminds him, listen, you have a God who loves you, and he won't forsake you, and he actually delights in calling you his people. What an incredible way to answer Verse twenty-two: For the Lord will not forsake His people. Listen, see so these people are already saying, "Please don't kill us." It's almost like a kid flinching, right? It's like, like don't. and he's like, "Listen, He loves you. He won't forsake you. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you the people for Himself." You, I wonder if there's anybody here, you've, you've been like really, really mad, and you've. Took it to that person. And you're you're I mean, you're ready to rip it. I mean, you're there, maybe it's your kid, and you're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let them have it. And then they're like, Listen, I love you. And you're like, <laughs> I was gonna tell you something. It's like, no, listen, I love you. And then and then it just creates this thing. This is exactly what's happening. <laughs> These people in their mind, they've said set, they've settled it. I'm done. We're done. And the prophet literally says. He's pleased with you. He's pleased in who you are. He's pleased in what He can make you. So you got to understand, as human beings, we fail to see what God sees. We see the situation at hand, we see the people that we're working with, we see ourselves, but God's already in our tomorrow. And God already sees the potential in us and who. Who we can be. So this is why one of hell's biggest strategies is to discourage you to the point where you don't come back to God. I want to close on my third point. That is life after failure. There is life after failure. But only if you want it. You must not forget who our God is in those times of failure. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 8. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Many of you guys are saved in this place. Raise your hand. You're saved. God saved you. You guys remember that day? Some I mean, of you guys, you have a date. I mean, it's, it's like your second birthday, right? You, you have it. Um, I have, I have um, I know the month. It was August 2010 when I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember that day. I remember actually in Prescott Conference, I had the opportunity to speak to um, evangelist Andy Anderson. And uh, I was 18 years old when I stepped into the church. I, went to, I actually went to go talk to him. I said, hey, I don't remember... What sermon you preached, I don't remember what it was, but I was 18 years old and you were preaching a revival in 2010 in church and I got saved. And I, I remember that day like it was, it was yesterday, just the, the feeling of liberty, the, 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 the weightless feeling. I got, I got up from the altar and, and I understood I'm not going to hell that the, that the wages of my sin have been had been changed. now don't get me wrong I had problems I had issues. when I got out of that altar, off of that altar I had to go back home to all my problems and all my issues and I had to work out stay with me work out I had to work out my own salvation. I had to go back and make some decisions but I remember that day and that same Jesus that day for you. It's the same Jesus today that can save you, that can that can come and satisfy you. His love for you has not changed, and that's so hard to understand, especially those that come out of broken homes, broken relationships, where human beings, their hearts and their love did change for one another. So all we've seen is is people saying things like, I love you and I'm committed to you and I will never leave you, do exactly that. Leave and not love. But you got to understand that God's not a human. He's not a man to lie, our Bible says. His love for you has not changed. His commitment to your life has not wavered. He loved you, committed to you, and chose you. Before you chose him, you must view your failures the way God views them. Romans 8.28, he will make all things work for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That God sees our failures and our shortcomings as just a tool. To make us better. See, when we come to church, we find that rebounding help. We find the presence of God that keeps us going. I mean, if you guys, you've been ready to quit, but you came to church and you're like, man, I thank you, God, for that word. Thank you for that. And just sometimes it's just being in the presence of you know, just, just stepping in here, stepping in the prayer room. You ever felt like that? You, 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 I mean, you crawled into the prayer room. You crawled into prayer time, and you're like, God, I'm just here. It's the presence of God that keeps us going. We find the people of God who help us when we miss. Even in the darkest places of our life, we have a clear path to our God that is what being a Christian is about. It's not about being holier than thou or being perfect. We just know where the exit sign is at. We know where the emergency button is at. So our responsibility is to love God with all our hearts. Love God with all our hearts, all our mind, and all our soul. They have no exceptions to it. When we are messed up, is a church where we need to be. When we mess up, it is in the presence of God, the only place that we will find mercy and grace. As a church, we have a responsibility to help those that have failed, to help those that you can just tell clearly in life, they missed, they took their shot and they missed. Help them. Restore them. Be a blessing to them. Edify them with your words. Be there. You know, some people, they just need a hug. They just need somebody to go and even, or maybe not a hug. Some people don't want you to hug them, all right? So that's, that's a whole different sermon, right? Maybe it's just ministry. Just go and be, just be there. Just say, hey, if you need somebody to talk to, then talk to me. I'm here. What's that one, that one oldie? You always have a shoulder. What is it? I don't. I don't remember. I was, I heard it a while back. What is it? Somebody knows it. Lean on me. Lean on me when you're down. When you're not strong. Yeah, I was. I was waiting for somebody to sing it. I was like, somebody just, just don't, don't just. You want me to play Jeopardy with you? <laughs> just, just sing the whole thing. Just. Sing. <laughs> Yeah, okay, all right, all right, that's good, that's good, that's good, all right. <laughs> Yeah. The other song I had in mind is the Ice Cube song, where it says, if, you, if you're scared, go to church. <laughs> that's literally, isn't that literally what Samuel told him? <laughs> says, don't fear. It says, go, go to God. Repentance, listen to me when I say this, and I believe it was all I believe this with all my heart. Repentance fixes everything. And that doesn't make sense. I can't sit down with you and try to equal the and balance out the 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 weights of life. I can't. All I know is my Bible says repentance fixes everything. But when I stand in front of God, if I'm a kid who lied or a murderer. If I have Jesus in my life, and I accept it as my personal Savior, I'm saved. Our God is a merciful God, God of second chances, and that's even an understatement. You know, perfect people don't change the world. It's dedicated people. Our perfection will come that day when we look at at our Savior face to face. And it comes through our devotion and dedication to God. And all I'm saying tonight is, if God doesn't give up, then neither shall we. The way I see it is I have no right to give up. God sent his only begotten son for me. Who am I to just turn my back and just say, you know what? I'm going to blow it all up. I want to encourage every person in this place. I don't know everything that you go through in life. I want to encourage you that even in the darkest times of your life, you have a God that loves you. And he still has a plan for you. That even though it all feels out of control, I've learned in my life I'm not seeking control. That's not what I want. I don't want control. I want peace. And my peace will come by submitting my life to God. That's what I want to encourage you. You can always come back to God. You always have an altar. You have the presence of God, you got the people of God that you can come to. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed. respect to God and respect to your neighbor you're here tonight you're not saved you're not right with God if you're to die at this moment heaven will not be your home I'm not asking you how many scriptures you know I'm not asking you if you've been to church if you can explain to me doctrine I'm simply asking have you ever surrendered completely your life to God where you said I'm done running away God you can have all my rights You are the Lord and savior of my life You haven't done that tonight I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus Quickly if that's you would you lift your hand up in this place Maybe you're backslidden person who used to be right with well, God but today you're far from him we read the scripture here in Jeremiah where God is speaking through the prophet and he says return to me you backslidden children sounds rough sounds harsh but he's literally calling him back They're calling he's calling them back to him and that is the God that we serve he's waiting for you with arms wide open you hear your backslid and you want to reconcile your relationship with Christ. Would you lift your hand up in this place? I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Very well. Let's remain in this atmosphere, our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to speak to the people of God here tonight. This text is in context to His people. If you know this story, They were tempted by what the surrounding nations had, and they had a human being as a king. It was a representation of luxury and vanity and indulging, and they wanted that. They wanted somebody to stand the way those kings stood, but they had already a king. So they continued to push the issue, and God allowed it, and they realized how evil Humans can be in. And this is the context of the conversation. Now they're talking to the man of God. They don't know that's very specific, but the reality is how many times we find ourselves in that place. That we've pushed the envelope, we pushed the issue, we got as close to us as we can, and God allowed us to have it. Now we're in front of God saying, God, please help me. better be glad that we serve a God that the Bible says he's quick to forgive. And this is my revelation to you tonight, is that you can come to God however and whenever. His heart for you has not changed. He loves you. If you have breath in your lungs, you're here tonight. Count it as an opportunity for you to come and say, God, forgive me for the evil that I've done. Or maybe you're here and you're dealing with some level of failure in your life maybe a level of rejection you can come to god it doesn't matter how bad it was you can come to god and god will help you experience the peace that surpasses all understanding let's all stand up to our feet in this place every single one of us these altars are open i want to encourage you to come and talk to Jesus here tonight hallelujah we're gonna sing out this song I encourage you to lift up your voice and cry out cry out to God hallelujah